1: got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman,
2: Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media, March 5th,
1: on the Best Show Ever podcast.
0: Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. Hey everybody. This is HF pod live. Hi, Brian. Hello. Hi, Brian.
3: Hello. I'm Megan. Megan.
0: Uh, It's not, it's not every day that I do the intro. So we're getting, we're getting used to, we're getting used to this. Um, We are here to talk about MSG and to talk about fish and, and a lot of other stuff. We have a, we have a special guest, Jake Sherman, who's going to join us briefly um, here and I do want to say, um, please, if you if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, um, check us out on Apple. We have a bunch of premium content, including scintillating conversations that Brian, Megan and I have about various fish topics. It's really fun. And um, that's on that's on HF Prod Premium on Osiris Media on Apple. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. We are we're gonna dive into it. So I'm not gonna ask you both how you're doing today, but I assume you're doing well and I, I hope you're doing well.
2: Good. Great. <laughs> Perfect. Um
0: so I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring Jake on in one sec. I do wanna say first that we wanna thank our friends at Sunset Lake CBD for being a sponsor. Mm-hmm. As you probably have heard by now, their line mm-hmm. of smokable hemp products are for anyone, any music fan um smoking cbd ingesting cbd has all the benefits of high thc cannabis without some of the side effects that happen from time to time um Mm -hmm. they have a ton of different strains and i I use sunset lake cbd all the time but i first instead of telling you about that again i want to tell you about an email that we received over the weekend from ben goodrich who's a listener he said hello hf pod and that's a great great uh greeting Um, I wanted to write and thank you for introducing me to Sunset Lake CBD. I've been a cannabis smoker on and off for 25 years. Lately, high THC cannabis has not done well with me for a variety of reasons, but I was always hesitant to try CBD. I finally ordered some smokable CBD from Sunset Lake on your recommendation, and I love it. Last weekend, I went camping and hiking in the Utah desert, and having some CBD at night by the campfire while listening to fish was practically perfect. I will definitely be ordering more products from Sunset Lake. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. And RJ, you are incredibly handsome. Sorry, I just made that last part up. Um, yeah, he actually said, <laughs> I will see you at Dick's in September. Um, so thank you, Ben. And thank you, Sunset Lake. Uh, go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off. So with That's that it. being said, I'm going to add our friend Jake Sherman to, to the chat here. Hey, Jake. Hey, how are you guys?
2: Hey, Jake. We are doing hey, well.
0: Hello. Um, Jake, I want to, I want to talk about, well, a few things, I guess I'll just do a quick intro and say that um, you started this new
1: media company last, uh, it's been about like a little over a year, right? That's right. Yeah. January 2021 Punchball News. Yes. We're, uh, we are what, like 16 months, 14 months, 16 months old or something like that. Yeah. It's amazing,
0: and I know, so you're an entrepreneur, and you're a political reporter, and um, and you're a fish fan, obviously, which is why you're here. You all of those were, things, yes. I, I remember during the well, there's so much stuff we could talk about. You were in the middle of the January 6th stuff. I remember yes, I like was. talking with you about that, and you've been through all kinds of insane stuff on on Capitol Hill and in Washington. Which maybe we can talk about on you know a, a political version of this show. But
1: you have a is bunch there, of experience. Is there, is there a political version of the show? There should we're, be We're
2: launching one next <laughs> year.
1: <month, HF> do <laughs> really should be. <laughs> Don't compete with us. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. Um, tall order. But
0: Jake, you, you were on HF pod years ago. Um, I think it was probably like six years ago or so. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Re- refresh our listeners memory of how'd you get into fish? And what was your first
1: show? So, okay. Um, my dad was a, is a big music fan. And, um, Um, he has, he was a big deadhead, got me into, got me into live music when I was really young. Um, and, uh, I, my first show, so he, I kind of resisted the temptations of the Grateful Dead and Fish for a long time. Um, he was a deadhead before he was a Fish fan. Um, and then I my first show so i'm only 30 hold on i'm 36 and um my first show was in was the first Coney Island show of that 04 run which was kind of mm-hmm. like a dark and depressing time for fish fans <laughs> for many wow. reasons wow. um so i'm a you know a, i mean not i can't even say i'm a newbie because i've probably been to 100 and you know 30 shows since then which is a lot um but now i have three kids and a wife and a company so i don't find myself um, like going, you know, doing deer Creek Alpine and driving for, you know, uh, days on end with fish. But, um, but all that said, I still make it to a ton of shows. Um, and I, I, Uh, so that's basically how I got into it, but I was lucky because all my years in college fish was not around or else I would have been like a 10 year college student. I, I fear, Uh, (laughs) which was a blessing and a curse, I suppose at the same time. So that's pretty much my story. Um, I had a, one of my best buddies from who was a little bit older than me in college, but, uh, he lived in DC when I first got back to DC after grad school. And, um, he, kind of took me under his wing in the early ten twenty ten, twenty eleven 2010, 2011 is when I saw, you know, 2010 through 2016, I saw a lot of fish. I mean, more than I would care to admit, or I guess I could admit it here. I would, this is the place to care to admit it. A good story. Um, Definitely. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of my, my general story amazing i saw
2: a fish about a year before you did for the first time i'm a child of 2.0 as well which yep. people will always tell me i'm a noob but you know it's 20 years now it's I listen like now, what i tell people all the, time. what
1: i tell people all the time is i can't i can't like change how old i am <laughs> you know right.
3: I mean? <laughs> this like, is like the only community where people want to be older it's like very weird yeah i mean listen i i
1: have a lot of friends who um who uh uh were my age who saw them in like late nineties, you know, 2003, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity given where they were in the early 2000, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002. And then in 2003, so I guess I just missed that year by a (laughs) year. So, so um, anyway, that's, that's kind of my deal.
0: So, Jake, we we've been talking about the MSG shows um for months, it seems like. Um, at least we at least started in early
2: December and
1: we Yeah, just I think I think RJ, we spoke briefly in in like November about doing something around the MSG shows. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah and exactly. And here, it's, here, it's, here we are in April. Here we are still, in April.
0: Yeah. Still MSG prep. Um I know you you spent time at MSG. Um what's your what, how do you feel? Like I'm trying to kind of consolidate all the conversations we've had into a couple of questions, but what what do you feel about MSG? Like what does it mean to you, it, particularly as it relates to fish?
1: Well, I'm a I grew up in Connecticut. So I MSG is like, I mean, I haven't lived there in a long time in almost 20 years, but um MSG was kind of my home turf, so to speak. Um, my first show at MSG as a relative adult was Dave Matthews in December 2002 when I got a um a um a floor ticket from like I got you know l- lucky from Ticketmaster somehow and I got a floor ticket so um I have a lot of memories there I've seen fish there probably 25 or so times um I feel like more than anywhere else like I feel like obviously fish is a huge community, obviously for obvious, I'm not saying anything that, that people here don't know, but MSG, I feel like you feel it more. Um, maybe cause I just walk through the halls and I just know I run into 50 people, excuse me, as I spit all over the place, 50 people that I know. Um, you know, I think that, that kind of, that kind of brings it home in a sense, you know, like that is the, um, that's the dynamic there and it just feels like it's much more you're kind of much more and i don't know i've been to a ton of arena or indoor shows um most notably i really love the uic pavilion um in chicago which is a great place to see fish kind of bill graham is a great place or when i've seen fish there it's been really fun but msg feels like you're in this like cocoon in a way. And you're all experiencing the same thing. And I think it's the lighting too, right? Like the, you could see there are just times where the entire place is lit up and you could see people's faces from kind of across the room. Um, so that's kind of my, I'm, I'm, I'm only making it to one of this run, unfortunately, um, Saturday night, uh, which I'm disappointed about, but you know, this is life and you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches. And I um, so I'm really pumped for it. That's I guess all I could say. I'm going to probably wear a mask because I don't want to bring COVID home to my three young unvaccinated children. Um, But no, I'm super pumped.
0: What? Um, That's first of all, three kids all unvaccinated. That's like you got to be super careful.
1: But by the way, I'm taking my oldest, who's four, four and a half um this summer i've made that my my um my goal for the summer i'm going to take him to Meriwether and my my wife his nice. mom um, oh that's my awesome wife, my wife and his mother um, are going to be taking is we'll take him home at some point you know during the first set i imagine but i yeah, yeah, you know yeah. i kind of want him to exp- he's young and i don't know i don't know how I don't know when else I'll take them to a show. And I kind of just, the pandemic has brought home this idea that like, you need to seize the moment and you need to just do, you got to do it at the moment you think you should do it. So I'm going to take them this summer. You know, I always made fun of people who are taking their little kids to shows, but now I'm like, oh, I totally understand why they're doing this.
3: (laughs) Make fun of them until you're that person. Exactly. And I've become
1: become that person.
2: We're we're taking our son to see Trey at Red Rocks this summer. And it's the same thing.
1: It's by the way, one venue I still have not been to. I need to, that's Uh, like my big. I that's need to go. I know. I've just been. You know what the problem is, and I know we're veering from MSG. So I hope you just shout me down we're if I'm veering. veering. Um, I'm waiting for the right moment and the right band to see there. I mean, I don't think that's fish is thing. Gonna, I don't yeah. think fish is going to play there anytime soon, just because it's too no. small, you know, um, and the, the juice in some ways isn't worth the squeeze for them. But. Um, you know, I've thought about seeing j Rad there. I've thought about seeing Umphreys there. And I love all of them. And I, for various reasons, it didn't work out time-wise. But um, um, this is a – I need to get there. That's basically my point. I need to get to Red Rocks like sooner rather than later.
2: <laughs> Lives up to the hype. It does. It does.
3: Yeah, it really yes. does.
0: I haven't seen a show there either. I've only visited, which is like – Is that right? You haven't seen a show
1: there? No. no. I know. Wow. Let's go. Let's go. I'm down, dude. Just tell me Where when – we, we could on. do a live pod. We could do a live podcast from the we parking could. lot at Red Rocks. We'll do it. exactly. Um, I
3: saw Fish. the last time Fish played there in 96, those four shows.
1: Wow. I thought they've played there more recently than 96. No?
3: Actually, maybe they did when they came back. They did. Play?
1: Played, they played when I ran in 09. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In 09. Yeah. Yep.
3: Is that 09. the only yeah. other time since then? I think so. Right? I think they
1: played. Since then, yeah. Pl- Is that right? Do you guys know that? I guess yeah. I can look that up. But um, Yeah, they went to Dick's after
2: that because that's the only place that could wasn't big enough,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, what is it? Only a It's only like ten thousand people. Or nine thousand, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, right now, yeah. Last show, oh nine. You're right. Oh nine.
0: So, yeah. Jake, before we get into the show that we we wanted you to talk about a memorable MSG show, but I want to ask you, what do you have prediction wise or thoughts on on this run coming up? Zero, the-
1: nothing. I do think. Th- I do think. <laughs> I was. I was thinking. I was thinking this morning in the shower, I think that they'll almost definitely do a balloon drop on Saturday night. (laughs) But, um, other than that, I have no predictions, zero. I mean, I'm, I try to keep my expectations in check if that makes sense for the inevitable, you know, um, uh, not letdown, but for just so I could enjoy what actually happens instead of build up something that might or might not happen.
0: I I mean, I think that's the way to be. It's hard. It's really hard. It actually takes a lot of effort. To, yeah. to not to not think about it too much.
2: Yeah, I just find that no matter how much I listen to fish, I'm eternally wrong on my predictions, and um, they're just. They're I only fading. have one. It's good, fun to make them, but you know.
1: I only have one amazing prediction story. I was in the parking lot at Meriwether. I don't remember what year this was, but early 2010s. And I said, to I turned to my friend. I was like, "They're going to play Albuquerque tonight," and uh, and he's like, "They're not," and they did. And it was a prediction born of nothing but. Just just good luck. So that's my Mind only prediction. intervention. That, <laughs> you know, I, I, what we say in politics is what I say all the time to people when I talk to people. Is, I got out of the prediction business post-2016 after Donald <laughs> Trump won the presidency. Yeah. And I've I've gladly stayed out of the prediction business since then.
0: Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, thinking about it and trying to predict what's going to happen, it's, it's just, I mean, I guess it can be entertaining. But it's mostly a losing battle. Yep. And you're like bound to just be wrong
1: yep yep
3: i mean i think that's why we like this band right <laughs> they're totally yeah. Unpredictable.
1: The unpredictableness
3: yeah.
0: yeah yeah actually it's i guess it's similar in politics although there's there's more data but i don't know at this point like you suppose 2016 like now now you can't predict anything
1: yeah and there's more at stake in politics yeah. <laughs> than there is at, that, at shows um uh you know I, it's funny i was i got a call the other day again veering too far from the the median here but um I got a call from a member of Congress, a Republican, who is like, you know, middle-aged, probably in his 60s. I guess it's not middle-aged, but in his 60s, who said, um, I was calling him on a specific topic, and he said, he said, wait, you don't want to hear my thoughts about fish? And I was like, I do not want to hear your thoughts about fish. No, I do not.
3: (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs)
1: I do not. it was a very unassuming, I mean, I was surprised that this person even, I guess I'm not very... uh, uh, reserved when it comes to the music I like, so anyhow,
3: <laughs> I'm kind of curious about what his thoughts
1: yeah, yeah, after. me too. Maybe yeah, he's like I, a
3: huge closeted fan.
1: He, I don't think he is, I think he was just giving me a hard <laughs> time, but I, I guess I, I could be, um, I could be surprised. <laughs> Maybe a prediction, another prediction I shouldn't make.
2: <laughs> we, let's phone him in. We'll ask one fish question, one policy question. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah,
1: exactly. We're, this is um, already the, the politics podcast that you promised yeah. that you, you were. Well, on. and actually, you know,
0: we can't we can't pass up an opportunity to plug Osiris stuff. You were on Politics of Truth with with Bob Crawford um, a few times in twenty twenty, and I, I loved that he did that show. It was really fun to to listen to. Um, yeah, he's a good okay. guy. He,
1: I actually saw him. In the Capitol, not too long ago. He was there with his family, and um, I ran into him. He texted me, and then I was running somewhere, and I saw him. So, yep awesome
0: what a All good the world's
1: coming together yeah
0: good dude um so jake you have limited time because you're you're with family and you're doing your job but in the time that we have we should talk about this show because i think you and i have talked about the show before
1: but we have i actually realized that today we have talked okay. about it before okay
0: well this is it's great to go back to i haven't listened to it probably since then but we're talking about 12 28 2011 at msg um i guess just start by telling us a little bit about why you chose the show
1: you know it was the first night of a four night run um I remember quite well i'm ninety nine point nine percent sure of that and um and it was like when when they played free. I've said this before, and I hope this is not not that anybody's listening to what I have to say about fish on a regular basis, but I felt like it was like a almost like a cathartic moment, like like the feeling that I forgot, feel the feeling that I forgot it was like okay, we're back, you know, um, it was just like a moment of like, of, um, of, of release for everybody. That was a a run that I was at every night of, because again, I had no children and no wife. Um, I remember precisely where I was sitting. Uh, I was side stage, I think in like the, the 209 is my recollection. Um, and it was it was just an amazing it was an amazing first set. Which, by the way, I don't say that a lot of about a ton of you know I say that about a lot of first sets, but that's not typically what I'm what I focus on <laughs> when I think about shows. But um, it was just like a I think it was free glide possum to start the show, which was like a really good um, triumvirate to start an msg um, an a- msg run. So I just thought it was really cool. And I to be honest with you, I've there have been. Since then there've been it's hard to pick a, a great MSG show. Like I I um I got in twenty nineteen, I believe. Um I that was was that the uh the Soul Planet uh New Year's Eve thing? I think it was. Um I'm pretty sure that was the Soul Planet New Year's Eve gag. Soul Planet with the big seventeen. Seventeen. Really yeah. That makes more sense 19
2: actually. Was the- Trey got stuck on the platform.
1: Right. Yeah, right, right, right. 2017. Um, I got to see them um, rehearse that Soul Planet thing. And I was like sworn to secrecy, like get off your cell phone type deal. And that was also a really (sighs) cool thing. Um, That was like, you know, a blood oath, like you shall not, you know, thou shall not pass. (laughs) Um, But um, no, I just, I have a tough time. I do have a tough time kind of narrowing down the MSG shows because I, I uh, all of them are so cool and special, and it's also just like it, it's tough to keep in mind. But like you're in the middle of the city in a massive, massive like spaceship, in a sense. And you know, when it's cliche to say, but the building bounces, which is awesome. But anyway, th- that's my thoughts about about the early part of that show.
0: It, that was the first when I was listening back to it. I didn't realize this. I selected it's, it's texted this to Brian, but that was the first free opener ever.
2: That's crazy. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ever.
0: Which like i would have guessed that that would have been late nineties, and i i had no idea, which is like like you said a great way to kick off kick off a run,
1: but it was all, also great cities too, um and oh, really, um, good cities. really good cities, I actually have that baseline like committed to memory um the like in that jam um, but uh that is amazing that was the the first time they had opened with free, that's like <laughs> a um that's like a, a stat that I can I would never think about during the show because I'd just be I'd have to Google it and that takes a little right. too much effort during a show.
2: Well, yeah. and, I, and I looked it up because I, I I know I've seen free openers since they've they've done it eight times since this mm-hmm. show. So clearly, like opening it up opening up a run, it really kicks something off. And um, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Like the idea of the feeling I forgot as being this you know the lyric that hits you mm-hmm. two minutes into a show. Totally. They opened up the first show post curveball with free and it kind of gave off Mm -hmm. this like sentiment of okay that sucked but we are back we're we're, we're here we're playing again yeah um you also had the second glide of 3.0 uh at this show the first one was msg 09 and then yeah that cities it's like the fourth song of the set and it just goes off the deep end into this jam and it almost seems like it shocks the band because they Mm -hmm. like kind of they kind of like stop it. Like the jam felt like it could keep going, but it was almost like they were a little bit freaked out that, whoa, we found this space already, which was really cool. And I thought led to some great music in the second set as well. But I I agree with you. This first set's just rocking all the way through.
1: Yeah. And it's all, I also kind of wonder about this run um, again, veering, um, but uh, like there's going to be so much pent up demand within the band that I sense that like, okay, we're, you know, like, we're getting back. It's, you know, obviously the the virtual New Year's was not, was cool, but it was not, you know, it wasn't New Year's. And um, I just feel like there's a lot of, like, pent up energy that'll hit probably, you know, somewhere in that first night that's just gonna be wild.
0: Yeah, it's going to be I wonder how they, they do a really good job of handling those moments, obviously under pressure. But like coming out on that first night, it's going to be it's going to be pretty intense, you know, Yeah, emotionally and energy wise. It's just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it takes a also they
3: haven't, they haven't played MSG since 2019. I mean, that's crazy. crazy, you know, and they love it. It's their mecca. It's one of their favorite places to play the place they've played more than anywhere else. Like they're going to come in ready to go.
1: And also it's like, it's a weird dynamic because I I was thinking about this this morning also, but like summer's not far away, (laughs) you know, like this is like, like summer, the summer tour begins essentially a month after these shows. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I guess you don't really have, I mean, I can't remember.
2: We lost Jake for a minute. He'll be back. He'll be back. Jake went the way of the cities.
3: (laughs) Ended (laughs) abruptly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think to his point that he's making the, um, the idea of, and we've talked about this, like Mexico was two months ago. Now we have MSG and yeah, a month, five weeks, basically after the MSG run ends, we get summer tour, which is just, it's wild that we get that so quickly it doesn't afterwards.
0: it's totally crazy um hey jake hey sorry jake yes yeah, it's all good. Nice. good um sorry. go ahead brown
2: i was just gonna compliment our uh, friend of the pod, Patrick Hickey, who called out the ripcord, J- the the Jake ripcord, which is which is uh, very appropriate for this. <laughs> that
1: was like that was like that was like mid sentence too. That was that would have been like a really bad ripcord. That would be something that, that would light that would if Trey did it, it would light the internet ablaze.
3: I mean, this is jam. It it fizzles a little, but it's really it it is kind of a sad ending. The only thing that redeemed it is the Curtis Lowe, I think that that's a moment when you're like, okay, if you're gonna. If you're going to ripcord a jam and play Curtis Lowe, it might be okay. <laughs>
1: do it. Yeah. And, it, and Curtis, Curtis Lowe settled in really nicely. I remember, I do remember all of that, but I do remember Curtis Lowe settled in really nicely after that.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's, so that was the first, first show of this, of this run. Um, And I don't think I saw any of that, that year. Um, you said you saw all four of those shows.
1: I did. And, and also a, a close second is the, is the next night, which was, which was uh, Sloth Opener" and "Yem." The first two songs of that of that show, which were like, and that was a gr- that was a great Yem, despite some Trey kind of fumbling uh, er, like early on. But it was it was a terrific, terrific Yem, and I'm a fan of an early show Yem. I hate to tell you, I am like I think it's like a... I, I think it I don't want to say tired, but I'm I like the I like the early show placement of Yem. I think I think I think. I don't want to criticize Fish in any way, shape, or form. Um, um, but I I think it I think it's nice to mix up where Yem sits in a set list. Let me put it that totally. way. Totally. Yeah, know, I saw like it as a second, show,
2: yeah. I saw it as the second song of the show in LA this year, and it just like it elevates the show almost immediately. Everyone's excited, everyone's high-fiving. It's you know, it's like a First inning home run type of thing, where like everybody yep. just like they, you're in the tensions built, and then something like that happens, and it just defies your immediate expectations. It's why the yep. prediction yep. game is useless.
1: Yep, totally.
3: There was some really interesting stuff with like setless construction. This whole run. At moments it worked and at moments it didn't. I found that really interesting listening back. Like I didn't, I don't listen to 2011 Fish a lot. I was kind of disconnected from Fish at this time in my life. I had like two very young kids. I lived abroad. So listening back to this, I would see kind of like a show a year, but I wasn't listening to a lot of it. Um, But this was really interesting to listen back to because you can hear them kind of like starting to practice listening to each other more. I feel like they learned a lot from the storage jam over the summer. And I think that you can see them trying to like listen to each other more and, and start to try things out. And so you get some really amazing moments kind of sprinkled throughout the run.
1: Yeah. I, I all, I oftentimes, I think a lot about set list construction and um, I, I think um, I'll, I'll make a controversial point. Maybe I hope it's not too controversial. I actually think that while at times it's super, it's super, rigid not rigid but it's for thought out at times it's really not i think that like and i i like to think of it like that like i think it's sometimes like i'll give you a great example um on february 28th i think in 2003 was when they uh busted out destiny unbound for the first time in what like 15 years or something like that mm-hmm. i once i can't remember who where it was or who it was or something but like someone asked either Trey or Mike about, and they were just like, yeah, I don't know. We didn't thought about it, but we, we kind of realized we hadn't played it in a while. It's like a while. Like why there, like (laughs) as a fan, you're oftentimes like looking for so much more into these answers. But like, sometimes it's just like, yeah, dude, like we missed playing the song. We hadn't, we hadn't played it in a while. And like, here it is, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. We, we talk about that a lot. Brian and I have like, different viewpoints on that. And I think it's interesting because what's your re- viewpoint? Mine is similar to yours. Like, I don't think they think that I don't think they think about it as much as we think they do. Um, no, they
1: don't.
3: I think it's a combination. I think sometimes there are obvious like historical nods and sometimes there are spur of the moment. You know, I think Trey has spoken about how he's gotten really good at just like going out there and, and feeling what he wants to play and what the audience wants at that moment But then I also think there are times when they are thinking about their history or their songs they've played before or how long it's been and what the audience wants. So I think it goes back and forth. But
1: but I'm sure you guys have heard this and I'm I'm sure you have too, RJ. But like, you know, Trey's like, you know, famously like a don't read the internet type guy and let somebody else tell you what the internet is saying at any given time, which I think is super healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, I, as somebody who is, um, hearing things from the internet all the time, um, <laughs> and, and I do not follow that rule despite people suggesting that I should, um, but you know, it's like, like he's, I think that, he, you know, pe- like Patrick Jordan, his manager tells him what people are saying and thinking and all that stuff, but like, he's not in tune with like the churn of the why did he put this here? Why did he put this there type thing? You know what I mean? Like, so like if you're insulated from a lot of that and you're just doing what you love to do and playing what you love to play and just doing it as like a, without outside influence, like that's a pretty powerful thing that is all coming from within, you know? So he doesn't, so yes, they might realize they haven't played, you know, X for, you know, forever, but like I, I think it's I think he's I think they are just much more in tune with what they're feeling internally at the at the moment, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's totally I think that's totally fair. I yeah, fair. I, th- I don't know if this was on this show or if I was reading something about Fish recently. It's hard to know anymore. But I think there was like a theory that like, you know, they go into these shows and like there's like a well, for the people who don't see a lot of shows, let's do like one kind of bust out or like, you know, make sure there's like a, a couple jams in the second set. And I don't, I just don't think they think about that at all. Like I think, no, but, but there's clearly a long list of songs, right. That Trey chooses from, and he knows what's like, he's not playing bounce around the room every night. So he clearly has like right. some sense for, you know, that kind of sequencing, but
1: I do think but it's that's, probably that's different than that's just, that's just kind of knowing what you've played and what you haven't played. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. different than knowing what the yeah. world wants you to play.
2: I think the, it's It's interesting because you know, so much of their career has been about this like constant evolution. You know, unlike a lot of classic rock bands, they never really reached like a sound and then just maintained that sound for the, you know, longevity of their career. And that was kind of why people kept coming back. Part of the reason you keep coming back to a fish show is they are, evolving and they're changing and they're, they're adding new sounds and new ideas and new songs come back and or, or, you know, old songs come back, new songs emerge. And I think my thought constantly from like the intentionality standpoint is just like a focus on growth and what they can throw from an artistic standpoint at what will challenge them. What may change the dynamic of a show rather than like, what did these 10 people on Twitter think we need to do tonight? Because, these ten people on Twitter have such a voice that if we do this, they'll be happy, and thus the fan base will be happy. If we don't do this, they'll be angry, and thus the fan base will be angry.
1: I, I saw Trey uh, and talked to him right before my book came out. It might even have been in that MSG run, and he kind of said that. He said, "Listen, like if I focused on." everybody's like reviews every night, then I would just play to the reviews and I'd I'd always get too high or always get too low depending on what's happening. And like, that's just like an unhealthy thing. Of course, when my book came out, this was many years ago, I did. I also did not follow that advice either. So (laughs) I'm not really one to talk. It
3: takes a long time. (laughs) It takes, he's been at this a long time.
1: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Agreed. And you know, but listen, you're talking to like the world's, not the world's only. I don't want to say that. I am a big uh, full band Time Turns Elastic fan. So I am like, a, nice. so like, if you listen to my reviews, I would be like, yeah, Time Turns Elastic.
2: So how much oh, were dude. you freaking out on New Year's Eve this year? Though?
1: Oh, dude. So I was at a friend's dinner party, and I have to split in a minute before my wife. Uh, finds the fish tickets in my office drawer, rips them up and lights them on fire. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, um, this is a good I point to a,
2: go out on the time. Turns yeah, to last. I
1: was, I was, a, <laughs> I was at a dinner party at my friend's house in DC, my neighbor actually. And I like had one and I have these goofy headphones in. Cause I just put my AirPods through the wash last night. I'm not happy about um, that's not the first time I've done that, but um <laughs> I've, I was like, I had one AirPod in and I was like sitting on a couch, like at the cocktail portion of the evening. And it was a seventies themed, like New Year's (laughs) Eve party. So like my friend who's been to fish shows and me and like, you know, knows the deal. He's like, dude, we're not listening to fish tonight. I hate to tell you, like, it's just not happening. And I was like, time turns elastic. (laughs) And I was like, I was going crazy. they They were all like, go away dude just go away <laughs> anyway my daughter's it's calling me i have to run <laughs> thank I you for joining us man Yes. Yeah, sorry i have to cut it short but it's all good you for the opportunity of thanks for thanks all for right, coming on you. man Of course. We'll see you, see another, you guys. we'll
0: see you soon um well we're gonna keep talking brian yeah. megan what what do you think about this show going back because i agree megan i don't i don't listen to 2011 fish at all i mean i guess i have the waves you know the the, the bethel Mm-hmm. soundcheck way, but that's not even a show. That's just like the, the, <laughs> the soundcheck version that was put on one like of in those the
2: afternoon, the day before the show. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. The LP on LP, but um, yeah. what, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? what do you think going back?
2: You know, I think 2011 is a really interesting year. There's a lot changing uh, during the year. I think it started incredibly strong with the Bethel run. The middle night of Bethel is still one of my favorite shows of Um, 3.0. From the start, they were experimenting a lot more with jamming than they had in 2010 and 2009. It was, there were a lot more open spaces in shows. Um, I think the storage jam is up there with the fuck your face show and wingsuit as some of the most important things that the band did in terms of like evolutionary next steps in 3.0. Um, and the show that they played the night, the night after seven three at Super Bowl is still that first set. I go back to consistently, um, similar to the August tour and the dicks run. Like there was a lot of momentum is kind of the point I'm trying to make throughout the summer, a lot of change, a lot of experimentation and a lot of experimentation that worked. Um, this was the first year that they did not do a fall tour in 3.0. And I think that this show twelve twenty eight eleven, 11 got everybody on a high. I, I, I watched these shows from afar and it got everybody on a high coming into it. Cause this show rules, this show has a ton of energy, really good song selections, some great flow in the second set. Um, 1229 has some really good moments, but this run overall kind of ends, um, anticlimactically. And I remember there were a lot of take this for what it's worth. There were a lot of there's a lot of negativity online following this run. And there was a lot of concern that um, the band had kind of reached an end point in 3.0. And we talked about this um, with Ryan Storm a couple of weeks ago in the episode about June 2012. They really redeemed themselves in that, in that June 2012 run. And there's some incredible shows there. Um, so all that's to say, I love this show. Um, it's an interesting point in the band's history because they're coming off of a really evolutionary summer tour and then the the run as i recall kind of ends anticlimactically in in a in a way that that felt like we might be seeing the end of of fish 3.0 for for a bit of time but i don't know what your guys thoughts were going back to it
3: yeah i thought it was interesting to listen to it because there are some really great moments i think that play off that summer i think this is kind of the proof of when Fish isn't able to play a lot of shows in the fall. I think it's hard for them to come back at this point. Um, I think they're in a different spot now, obviously, but you know they weren't that far off from getting back together, you know, And I think they still had a lot a lot of room to grow in trusting yeah. themselves when they're playing together and in taking risks musically. And it's interesting because I feel like when you listen to the show, you can hear them really find like amazing moments and jams. And then they seem to be almost like walk away from them or they'll ripcord it or just kind of like segue out. Like even that the Karini tweezer, which is amazing, even that segue is so beautiful. And you can hear them kind of like Trey brings in the tweezer riff, but it kind of like I wish they would have stretched that out and stayed in that like in-between moment. It's really beautiful. And they just kind of like roll right into tweezer and then that's over. It's like you can feel them kind of like, okay, we, we did that jam. Like let's move on because – They're just not in that space, I think, where they're super comfortable jamming for a long time together yet. But there are some incredible moments, I think, throughout the run, but especially in this night. It seems like this is the best night of the whole run, which is so interesting. But, yeah, I think they really suffered from not doing a fall tour.
0: I think there's – yeah, I mean, I yeah, I agree with what what you guys are saying. I mean, one thing that's really interesting to me is that there's, I think, maybe – Steam is the only original that debuted in all of 2011, which is I, just I like wow. Right, just sort of fascinating, just because it's you know I think you know the, obviously their original the the new stuff really fueled their creativity in 3.0. You know, uh, yeah, and there's there's so many examples of that, I and mean, it still does now with with new songs. Um I think in 2012, I don't think there were many debuts either if, if any. So my theory doesn't actually hold up because I was going to say that there's like something to that, that material giving, giving them more fuel to kind of improv with and experiment with. Although in 2012, they could have been working on stuff that came, that came out later. Um, But Mm -hmm. that was sort of fascinating that like, I don't know, given everything we heard in 2013 onward, that there was like no new music for almost two years. And I wonder how much of a, how much of a factor that was.
2: I mean, I think the one thing I would add to what you're saying is 2012, while it doesn't feature new material, they open up the song catalog in a way that they hadn't in a long time. Um, and there's a lot of rare songs, and a lot of bust outs that happened throughout, especially June, which seemed to act in the same sort of manner that debuts would, where it just excited them about the set list again. And it excited them about, you know, what was possible. 2011 definitely felt like, you know, they debut all these songs in 09 that go on joy. But then you get this two year period. 2010 has a few debuts, but none that really lasts. Like, I can't tell you the last time they played My Problem right there. And that was Burn That Bridge. You know, a lot of these songs that Trey was writing when he was writing Hands on a Hard Body. Um, So you get Steam, that is such a classic fish song, which, you know, will lead to to Thread. Six years later, seven years later, you know, like they, they're he's starting to get back to this space that he's going to find himself in from a from a band writing standpoint as they lead up to Wingsuit. But the focus, at least from my perception, still seems to be on rebuilding Fish and figuring out small ways to tinker, rather than you know where we see them now, where every show just seems to. <clears throat> at least from afar, it looks like it's delivered with ease. Like they can go on stage and it doesn't matter what song they play. The next song is going to be a surprise. It's not going to be predictable. And by the way, here's another, here's Wolfman's brother, which you all predict in the first set, but we're going to drop into a beautiful ambient jam and play it for 24 minutes. And it's going to, you know, encapsulate the creativity that we feel in the, in this, you know, in this moment, you weren't getting that at all. This is like kind of still the era where, Every first set was 13, 14 songs long and played pretty straight.
3: But RJ, I totally agree because I think about how creative they are right now and how much new music has come out the last few years. I mean, I think that has totally fueled why we had such an incredible summer and fall tour and a great Mexico run.
0: I think so. I mean, you know, and trade releasing Mercy, I mean, he's Mm -hmm. clearly just that's what that's what fuels him is like writing and working on new stuff. Right. So. The rest of the band, I think, you know, follows that energy that Trey brings, right? Like they always have. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It would be interesting to know if, like, 2011 was like sort of a dry spell in terms of creativity and songwriting. And I wonder how much of that is total coincidence with kind of the way that the the improv went versus, you know, something that could be connected. I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't conscious. Like, uh, I can't. Like, I'm not writing songs right now, so I'm not gonna like play this tweezer for more than 12 minutes or something but but there there might be something more you know there might be something something there
2: yeah i mean i wonder like i saw two shows in 2011 i was living in portland oregon and i was cooking and two things geographically and and work-wise like I was far away from every fish show except for the gorge. And I worked all the time and had no money to travel to see fish, Um, which is why I don't cook anymore. Um, And I, uh, I saw the gorge shows and the rock and roll boogie on meat stick combo. I may be getting meat stick and boogie on out of order there. I apologize. I deeply apologize if I did, but that trio of songs in the second set of the first night at the gorge, you had this moment where like, the band was tapping in almost immediately to the sounds that they found at the storage jam. There's a long segment where pages on the theremin and Gordo is just turned up super loud. Fishman is just destroying the drums. Trey's playing these like super powerful chords that like are just going up the mountainside at the gorge. And it was moments like that where it felt like they were tapping into something that was going to fully realize itself at like Dick's the following year uh, for like the Fuck Your Face show and um, the light, the sand that would come the next night, but wasn't fully realized and maybe needed something else to tap into it. And maybe that was tapping into old songs. Maybe it was starting to write songs again. I don't know. It it, it feels like 2011 Fish was kind of the end of – the honeymoon phase of their back and we're all just happy they're back. And that conflict of them needing to change something up and, and move in a different direction was really, really present. At the same time, you get a show like this that is really enjoyable to go back to and, and showcases a ton of energy and creativity.
0: Um, I want to, can we, can we jump to 2022 MSG real quick?
3: Yeah, man. Always
0: are we
2: gonna make? We're gonna make place wagers on what they're gonna play and when?
0: I I think it's a good idea. It always works. (laughs) Oh my god! What I want to know, just well, people who are watching, if you um, if you can comment in the comment box on on the opener. The opener is. Mm -hmm. I usually don't. I don't know. Want this to sound bad, but like I usually don't care what they open with or what they play. Ever, I just don't. It doesn't matter to me personally. But the opener for this run seems like it seems important to me for some reason. And I I don't know. Maybe that's just because they haven't, like you said, they haven't played there in what, two and a half years. And just like, there, there's a lot on this. There's Mm -hmm. a lot on this, uh, on this run. And I'm curious, (laughs) Patrick, (laughs) that is, that is great.
2: I just want to say that. Patrick is going to be helping us recap one of the MSG shows. And if they play because I got high, like we're going to have to do something incredibly special for him because that would be amazing. I think
0: that it's, I think that the, the entertainment and real realistic matrix just fit perfectly for that, for that prediction. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's a great prediction. Um, Well, okay. There's a couple of people who are watching who've weighed in. Um, Megan, do you have a strong feeling about this?
3: No, I'm terrible at this. I feel like every time I try to predict what Trey's going to open with, he opens with something totally different, but it's so perfect. I think, I think this is the show that keeps getting away from them. This run, like they keep, you know, this is the one place they haven't played that I think they've been dying to play since the pandemic. So there's no doubt Trey's thinking about it. Like I actually feel like this is a time when Trey is thinking about that first song he's going to play. I don't think he's just going to go out there and wing this. So I do think it's going to be really thoughtful but I don't know. I'm terrible at predictions. It's Brian, funny. What do you think, I, Brian?
2: We, we, we had this conversation leading up to summer tour. And I definitely overthought this. And I like, I've been, well, I've been thinking about this since spring of 2020. And so that was the problem. Was I thought they were going to open up summer tour with dinner and a movie. And the idea being like, you've all been watching us. Now we're here, like this is the transition point. And I remember RJ saying, they're just going to open up with, I never needed you like this before. And it felt too on the nose to me, but it was so on the nose, it was perfect. Because, of course, what else is Trey going to say to people after however many months it had been since their last concert? And, you know, there were legitimate times in 2020 where I think we all felt like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to a concert again. It's just never going to happen. And so to, to say that at that point was really was really – emotional um and important i keep coming back to the way that they opened up maple night you guys remember that with oh yeah O'Canada. i was there that
3: night
0: i was there that night too but yeah. i don't remember what they opened with
2: they opened with O canada it, it was no yeah. it was trey playing like hendrix playing um the star spangled banner at woodstock It was just like they had a spotlight on the canadian flag and trey oh, yeah. just ripping it and i kind of someone mentioned this i don't know if it was here or if it was i don't know somewhere else but um, that they're not going to play odd Lang Syne at midnight on the third night. It's just going to kind of be a tease that like weaves its way through the run. And I really like that idea of like odd Lang Syne opening the, this overall run and it being like, this is the new year's run and they, and Trey just comes out and he just plays it, you know, just like full heart on his electric page comes in on the baby grand. And like, we can all kind of take a deep collective breath and, now we are in the next year that we should have been in.
3: Brian, I have chills. I like that's, that's why. Really it, good.
0: That's really, I really good.
3: Like
0: that. um, I I will tell you, Brian, that I think that's a great call. And I will tell you that my, my summer tour opener as Patrick is watching, who I've seen a lot of fish shows with, will tell you most of my predictions are wrong. So that was like, that was the mm-hmm. one that was actually on the record that I did. Right. That's why I'm never doing it again. But I, I'm, I <laughs> I've been saying Wilson the whole time. I don't, I, not the whole time, I don't know, over the last like couple of weeks. Just because I think it I think it like I think it fits for some reason, but it's not gonna be that and it's probably gonna be something awesome, like what Brian said.
2: I really like um the friend of the pod, Brian Golenberg's idea here of the curtain wave. Oh man. Oh my god, I would
3: die. I would die. He, al- he also be...
2: just suggested waiting all night, which is which would be good as well because we have
0: been waiting all night. That would be awesome. We got on my soul. Um Brian, about your my, favorite. I just want to go, I, I only want to say one more thing about Wilson, which is that they, you know, as you guys know, they opened their first show at MSG ever with it. And I just feel like it's like.
3: And 12, it, 30,
0: a, 19. Yeah, there's like an MSG thing with Wilson that I think could really like get, get the crowd fired up. Um,
3: I mean, the crowd is going to be insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be totally insane. Um, I think this is a ghost prediction. I think
2: so, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That'd be I mean, good. Those openers cool. are really fun. And like, I love the idea of Wilson just because um, I'm currently putting together episode one of undermine, which uh, focuses on the bakers does, which happened at Madison square garden. And it comes out on April 27th for anyone out there interested. Um, and, you know, sneak preview, all of you get to hear this first. Um, there's a section in it where it's perfectly fitting to put the MSG 123094 wilson in there and as i'm putting it into the episode i'm listening really intently with my headphones on and the second the trey plays that like the crowd can hear the, the e chord there's this guy on the tape who's just like holy fuck wilson and you start to hear the crowd yell back at trey and it's kind of that moment where like you know you have to imagine the band walks out on stage at msg for the first time and trey's just like i just want them yelling at me Like I want to hear the whole stadium yell at me and what perfect song to do that. And that could work really well here.
0: I'm into it. I think it's a great, I think it's a great call personally.
3: Very fun opener.
0: I think, um, I think there's only been like maybe seven or eight ghost openers of all and ever. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, Patrick has another guess, Patrick that would be wonderful. I'll be with Patrick for that. So if that happens, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of hugging. Um, it'll probably happen anyway. Um, this is going to, be, <laughs> going to be so, it's going to be so great. It's just a couple, it's a couple days away. Um, Megan, how are you feeling about this, about the MSG run? And like, what, what are your current feelings about it?
3: I'm very excited. I'm, I'm cashing in a lot of, um, debt and my family here to be gone for four nights and not be helping the family or uh, be present for anything, but I'm ready for it. And I'm so excited. I have friends flying up. So my friend flies up on Wednesday. We have multiple crews merging. There's like college friends mixed with like city friends mixed with all my different friends. It's kind of fun because my two friends that I see these shows with They we've all met later in life and like become friends now, and so we all have like our old school fish crews, so they combine together and it becomes like really fun. And so it's just been fun trying to get ready, like setting up plans. I have very big ambitions to do after parties, we'll see, but um, I've got plans, but I'm so excited! I think the shows are going to be absolutely legendary. Wow, wow,
0: (sighs) Brian. Brian, what's your, what's your latest thinking?
2: I think, um,
3: there's still time to get on a plane.
2: There's still time to get on a plane. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited for everyone who's going to be there. Um, Certainly there's a part of me that would love to be be at these shows. It just wasn't in the cards and I'm trying to do a bunch of shows this summer. Um, I would love to get back to MSG. I haven't been since twenty sixteen. Uh, you know, I feel in a sense like not that I'm gonna enjoy it more from afar, but I feel a lot of intensity around this run, a lot of emotional buildup. And um, you know, for me, I I listen to a lot of fish, I think about a lot of fish, I talk about a lot of fish, but like I can only really apply the actual act of going to fish shows to like certain points of the year because there's so much that goes into it. And everything you guys are describing is like what the week before dicks is like for me, where I have friends coming into town and like we have a schedule and an agenda lined up to like maximize as much as possible. And we put as much money towards babysitters as we do towards like the run itself. And it's totally worth it, you know, cause it's like a nice little break from your kids. Um, I think musically, I don't know. I don't want to set expectations too high. I, I think that the band has approached the last 10 months, nine months of music in a way that no, none of us could have predicted a year ago. None of us could have predicted in late July, 2021. Um, they seem to be on a on a high, and I'm kind of at a point where you're at RJ, where I almost don't care what what is played. Like I've seen pretty much every song I could ever want to see, aside from like a few extreme rarities. Um, I've seen every style of show I could ever wanted to see. It's more just. You know, the band is in such a unique place right now that I don't think any of us could have predicted two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago in the 90s. Like the idea that Fish is still playing MSG in 2022 and they're playing at such a high level that they are. Um, I'm going to set up a TV outside on my back patio. I'm going to. Start a fire each night. I'm going to hang out there. I'm going to watch the shows, and I'm going to talk to people who are at the shows the next day. And it's going to be the absolute best. I'm I'm really excited. The the sofa bed sharing with RJ sounds excellent. Thank you, Patrick. But um, I uh, you know, I've g- I've got to balance out uh fish fish work and 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 family work uh all at once in one weekend.
0: I think you you're onto something though with like the being at peace with missing shows because it's there's something. So I'm going up on Wednesday morning and I have I have probably five meetings with like investors and advisors and other people. And I have an all day recording session on Thursday for this new pilot of a new fiction show we're working on. And it's just it's going to be intense, you know, and like all that stuff will be great. And then there's like obviously two fish shows that I'm seeing at night and I'm leaving the afternoon. We're doing the fan art show on Friday afternoon from 12 to 5. Tom and I are. We'll be there with all of our sugar maple art, which is made by the amazing Ryan Kerrigan, who I think was watching before, or or maybe still is. Um, And then I'm leaving on a train right after that show to come home. So I'm missing the Friday night show, which is, like, the longest show. So why would I leave right before, like, the longest? I mean, But, like, it's going to be intense and exhausting, and it'll be great. It'll be totally worth it. But there's something to being able to just say, like, cool, I'm out. And, like... (laughs) You know, see the see the shows at your leisure in your own in your own house that it's a stressful thing, I think. And going back to what what we were talking about with Jake earlier about, you know, Fish fans wishing they had seen shows earlier or being older. I don't know if that's true, but I can definitely see that argument. Um, A good reason why you don't want to be older is because if you are, you get very tired from things like going to concerts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But RJ, you're also going to see the night before the night. So there's an argument that the Thursday show is going to be the best of the run anyway. So you, you
0: are, this is very, that's good true. Time. That's this true. The night, the night before yeah. the night is a thing.
3: It's a thing. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, my favorite
2: it's night. funny. I, I, I did the Southwest run this last, this last year. I did Phoenix, Chula and LA and my wife was webcasting while I was at the shows and then we flipped spots and she went to Vegas and I webcasted. But during the Yem on uh, the Sunday night in uh, Los Angeles, she texted me and goes, do you just want to stay and go to Santa Barbara? And mid show <laughs> I'm like looking at changing my flights and I'm looking at Airbnb's and I'm looking at extending my rental car. And i finally just decided like, no, I'm just going to go home. And I got back home, I got to my couch and, friend of the pod josh carver was with me at la he went to santa barbara he sadly struck out on tickets i would have struck out on tickets and i was at home my kid was right next to me and we were watching that santa barbara show and i was like i'm just at total peace with this you know but that said there's definitely a part of me in the back of my head that's like you know you could get on a plane and fly to new york city and eat like the best noodles of your life and have the best slice of pizza of your life. And the weather's going to be awesome.
3: I know. I can't believe it.
2: (laughs) The nets are in the playoffs. So all of New York's going to be going crazy. No, that's a total joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I could, there's so much that can happen and um, get some great Korean barbecue, but this will be, what is it they're they're probably not going to do new years at an msg this year right is that is that the rumor that we're, we're is that, all going is so... that true i, I don't know about. i haven't
0: really heard i mean i've heard some rumors but i have no idea is that true
2: maybe that's just bouncing around my head um i i feel like i heard i was hearing that and and so you know at some point in the near future i'm going to do a long-term planning to go back to msg because new york rules and seeing fish their rules
0: yeah. I mean this New York Boston round of the NBA playoffs doesn't quite have the Red Sox Yankees um feel to it, but but there but there's playoff sports happening.
3: And I and listened to the game yesterday. My husband made me listen to it in the car ride home from Boston, and the end was pretty exciting.
2: Quite. I, I will funny. ask you guys, you know, there was there were there was worry this was four or five months ago before the Knicks were eliminated, that the Knicks were gonna have playoff games during this run. And the one thing I had heard was that Fish was not going to cancel the run. They were just going to have to play matinee shows while
3: – Really? Oh, my God.
2: So that the Knicks could play home games. What would you have thought about like a three-set afternoon matinee Fish show that begins at like 1130, 12 o'clock in the afternoon and is out about three or four? What would you be into that? Totally.
0: Sounds so great. <laughs>
3: <'Cause it's> like <laughs> – Old persons, like yeah. special, like Are you kidding. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> the early bird
3: fish the special. The early bird. Yeah. There you go. A I, just a don't want to, after I don't want to come out into the daylight after a three-set fish show. Like I'm too old for that. Like I need dark lighting at that point of the night. Like I would well, just. Well,
2: that's a thing. Like when you're inside, it would have felt like eleven o'clock at night, yeah. fish could have really distorted your brains. Other things could have too, and then you would have left, and it's like rush hour traffic to get home on Friday. Would have been great. Would have been terrifying, but great.
3: Might have been really good for my that. body, but but yeah, terrifying.
0: I like it. I think it sounds great. I think they should do that more often. <laughs> you know, just go straight into the retirement age fans. Yeah, well, probably, know, what, just... like
2: 10 years away from that happening? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Um, so <laughs> next – the next show on Wednesday, Brian, which you will be on, and I don't think Megan or I will be here, right? Because we will be at at or around MSG, but you're going to be talking about a special song in fish history.
2: Yeah, you know, we're talking about uh... – Right on the nose, it's it's four twenty. So we're gonna talk about um Makisupa Policemen. policeman. We're gonna talk about uh the origins of the song, some great versions, give out some recommendations. Um RJ Megan, if you guys want to, we, we should do potentially a call in just of, of what's happening outside of MSG. So let's let's talk let's talk about that. It may be too hard to coordinate. I understand how the lead up to a fish show is, but you know, we could do some on the ground reporting potentially.
0: I'd like to do that.
3: That'd be super <laughs> cool.
2: Let's do that. All um, right. We'll be doing that, and then we will also um, we will be doing recaps the day after each episode or each each episode each show. Uh, One p.m. Eastern um, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We will be doing a recap of each show, and then next Monday we'll be doing a full breakdown of what happened at MSG. What went down? Are we disappointed? Are we happy? Are we elated? did the garden finally elevate and and take off from midtown Manhattan and fly off into the outer reaches of the Milky Way? I don't know. We're we're going to wait and see.
0: I think it's, it's going to be awesome. I want to say just quickly, I mentioned this earlier, but um, the night of four twenty Wednesday night at, at midnight, there's going to be a show um, that is called dab sessions. And it's going to be a show with John Badesky, Scott Metzger, Adam Chase, the Chase Brothers, and uh, Mono Neon, who's playing bass. It's at the Cutting Room. It's a couple blocks from MSG. Tom is Tom Marshall is going to be emceeing it. Um, it's a pretty amazing group of musicians. So if you want a, an after party to go to, check that out. Um, just just search Dab Sessions, and and it'll come up. Um, and also, on Friday afternoon from 12 to 5, as I mentioned, we'll be part of the fan art show at Stewart Hotel. So everyone should come, come by and say hello. Uh, we, our friends at weekend Wook, book plus they're going to be broadcasting from there. So we're going to chat with them. It's going to be a, a fun party. So there, there's a lot going on. I hope to, hope to see many of you there.
2: It's going to be great. It's
0: going to be great. Really great.
3: Yeah. I'll be at dab sessions. hope to see everybody there.
0: Amazing. Okay. We are going to, we're going to go get ready for MSG or think about it. Um, does anyone want to tell our listeners about Sunset Lake C B D again? Or should I just read Ben's email again? For the for the people yeah, at the read, beginning. Read
2: Ben's email yeah. again. That was fantastic. And thank you, Ben, for writing in.
0: I don't know. I don't know if this is, you know, if people do this, read testimonials twice, but I'm gonna do it because I'm not sure all these people were listening at the beginning. Not not because you're not good listeners, but because you joined late. So um, Sunset Lake CBD is our sponsor. Uh, they have amazing smokable hemp products. They have, I, I use the tinctures. I use the gummies. I use a lot of, of their products, but we tell you about that every week. And I want to tell you about our our friend, Ben, who's a listener, um, wrote and said, I want to thank you for introducing me to Sunset Lake CBD. Been a cannabis smoker on and off for 25 years. High THC cannabis has not done well with me for a variety of reasons, but I was always hesitant to try CBD. I finally ordered some smokable CBD from Sunset Lake on your recommendation, and I love it! Exclamation point. Last weekend, I went camping and hiking in the Utah desert, and having some CBD at night by the campfire while listening to fish was practically perfect. I will be ordering more products from Sunset Lake. Love the pod, keep up the good work, and I will see you at Dick's in September. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, Sunset Lake. Go to SunsetLakeCBD.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off. You will see Brian at Dick's for sure. And I think many, many people um, from the Osiris universe will be there. It's going to be a, a good celebration.
2: Got a lot. we got a lot in the uh, in the plans for it. I'm very excited. And I, I just want to say Ben's testimonial about Sunset Lake is – essentially all of our testimonials about sunset. Lake. I think all of us at various times have had that same experience and uh, it's just, it's such a great product and such a great company. So check them out.
0: Amazing. Thank you, Bill, for, for tuning in. Bill says, thanks again. We appreciate you guys tuning in and hanging out with us and Brian, Megan, we're going to see you. I'm going to see both of you soon somehow, but Megan, I'll see you in a couple of days. Can't wait. All right. See y'all soon.
3: Thanks, everyone.
2: Service.
3: The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station,
1: it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, it is a rock and roll
3: city
1: go for sure. Go like go go the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles: The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.
2: Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. uh, And right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all.
0: (laughs) And my name's Bob.
2: And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by
3: Tom.